Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to talk about the arrival of the Red Army in uh, the capitals of Eastern Europe in 1945 and principally we're talking about Warsaw, Budapest, Prague, um, Berlin and also Vienna. Um, Often the historiography of this period of time focuses on uh, the period from the sort of end of April onwards, um, following the, the the death of Hitler uh, on the thirtieth of April, uh, nineteen forty-five, um, and the um, establishment of a, a military occupation of the eastern portion of, of Germany. But it should be remembered that uh, the Red Army um, had marched. Uh, as far as Silesia, by uh, uh, in Poland, Upper Silesia in Poland, by January nineteen forty five, um, and the uh, and had on January the twenty seventh that year, had uh, brought about the liberation of the uh, Auschwitz camp system. So today I'm reading from Iron Curtain by Anne Applebaum. Um, she wrote. Uh, an, an excellent history of the the Gulag system, and a slightly more contentious history of the the Soviet famines recently that has come under fire by uh, some of the kind of more established people in that field of scholarship. And by the way, if you if that's uh, something you're interested in, hop back. I think two podcasts, and I've started to look at Robert Conquest's history of the Soviet famines. She writes the final Soviet offensive began in January 1945 when the Red Army crossed the Vistula, the river which runs through the centre of Poland. Quickly marching through the devastated uh, western Poland and the Baltic states, the Ivans had conquered Budapest after a terrible siege by the middle of February, Silesia in March, and their assault on Königsberg uh, in East Prussia ended in April. By that time, two vast army groups, the 1st Bielorussian Front and the 1st Ukrainian Front, were on the outskirts of Berlin, uh, poised for the final assault. Hitler killed himself on the 30th of April. A week later, on the 7th of May, General Alfred Jodl unconditionally surrendered to the Allies in the name of the Wehrmacht High Command. Even now, 
It is not easy to assess what happened in Eastern Europe during those final five months of war, because not everyone remembers the events of those bloody months in the same way. In Soviet historiography, the last phase of the war is always portrayed unambiguously as a series of liberations. According to the standard narrative, Warsaw, Budapest, Prague, Vienna and Berlin were freed from the yoke of Nazi Germany. Triumph followed triumph, the fascists were destroyed, the population rejoiced and, the free and freedom was restored. Of course, this is um, a, a highly selective and almost fantastical version of events. Um, the idea that freedom was restored to any of these places was obviously a nonsense. Um, the uh, individuals living through these times told obviously a very different story. Um, Germans throughout many of the, the post-war decades, really up until perhaps the 1990s, spoke very little of the events of May 1945, um, where essentially um, their entire world uh, collapsed. Um, not only did the world of Nazism uh, fall apart, but what left, what little remained of German civil society uh, collapsed. And the, the waves of uh, arbitrary violence, um, looting, and, the, and above all things, the mass rapes of hundreds of thousands of German women, perhaps even up to a million German women, um, uh, occurred. Um, the Soviets, for their in their own purposes, uh, obviously suppressed the memory of uh, Soviet the Red Army's sexual violence, uh, and later, um, as this story emerged, tried to present it in a kind of a more relative context, of saying that this was sort of men at war. However, while sexual violence was a feature of all um, Allied armies uh, and Axis armies, of course, um, the uh, figures for the Soviet Union stand out uh, vastly, vastly higher than, uh, than any, uh, any other perpetrator. Um, in other parts of Eastern Europe, the Red Army was uh, famed or in infamous for its suppression of the very partisans who had supposedly been allied with it, from um, the Ukraine and Belarusia to the Baltic states and Poland, guerrilla wars um, against the uh, the new occupiers continued uh, into the late 1940s in some cases, and eventually the Soviet Red Army with local collaborators, wound up destroying what resistance uh, remained. These partisans who had been uh, initially uh, fighting the Germans, but in many cases weren't communists, or if they were communists, weren't communists quite of the, um, uh, the variety that Stalin preferred, um, were um, destroyed. Um, there were waves of violence that followed in all occupied countries, Poland, Hungary, uh, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Romania and Bulgaria. Um, and the uh, waves of um, mass arrests that occurred um, enabled uh, future Soviet control to become uh, far, far, uh, far e more easily kind of enforced. So... The citizens, uh, many citizens of these new countries, uh, if they did view the Soviets as liberators, this was very, very short-lived. 
However, there were individuals, um, mainly those who had been the uh, the most uh, persecuted victims of um, Nazism, for whom the arrival of the Red Army um, was held was a kind of a moment of freedom. Uh, in his uh, memoirs, if this is a man and the drowned and the saved, um, Primo Levi um, spoke very uh, highly of the treatment he received, uh, the medical care he received, and the food he received uh, from the Red Army when they arrived at uh, at Auschwitz. Um, and Applebaum writes, For many, neither uh, of these opposing perspectives perspectives of um, liberation or suppression uh, offers the complete story either. For the arrival uh, of the Red Army really did herald freedom for millions of people. Soviet soldiers opened the gates of Auschwitz-Birkenau, Maidenek, Stutthof, Sachsenhausen and Ravensbrück. They, empty they emptied the Gestapo prisons. They made it possible for Jews to leave their hiding places in barns and cellars and to return slowly to something resembling ordinary life. Uh, Genia Zonabend, a Jewish internee, walked out to the gates of a small labour camp in eastern Germany and went, into the first, went to the first German houses she could find asking for food. She was refused until a Russian passing by heard the story and made sure she received food and, as she was remembered, even warm water to wash. That said, the camps in question were uh, often... Uh, not demolished, but kept open because the Soviets knew that they would serve uh, a useful purpose in the not-too-distant future when establishing regimes in uh, East Germany would require uh, them to be filled with a whole new raft of political prisoners. Another consequence or effect of this um, liberation, we'll use that word, in a number of different ways, um, was the end of, obviously, Nazi racial policies um, and the uh, attempt at kind of Nazi uh, enforcement of uh, the um, social and racial segregation of Poles. Um, in, the, in occupied Poland, when the Red Army arrived, um, in the western part where... Um, the Poles had been forced to abandon their own language. Uh, signs saying uh, for Germans only were torn down from uh, shops and public amenities and trolley cars. Um, and the Polish cities that had once been rechristened with German names were reverted back to their um, their original original Polish uh, Polish names. Um, when the Red Army marched into Germany, uh, the uh, prisons that had been full of uh, not the Nazis' political opponents were scenes of uh, of jubilation. Um, it was feared in some cases uh, that the SS would simply execute all the um, prisoners, uh, all the political prisoners uh, of the regime. Uh, to prevent the the Red Army from liberating them, this occurred in some instances. But uh, overall, uh, there were a sufficient number of survivors, uh, who uh, many of whom 
uh, were able to become uh, a- a politically active uh, and participants in the new regime that the Soviets were going to build. There were some uh, political prisoners of the Nazis who did not have sufficiently Stalinist credentials who were promptly rearrested uh, by the Soviets when the, uh, the waves of political commissars and secret policemen uh, marched into Germany uh, behind the, the Red Army. And there were Czechs and Hungarians uh, and um, uh, other occupied uh, Eastern Europeans who genuinely re- uh, referred to and thought of the Soviets as uh, liberators. These were um, populations who had uh, been on the receiving end of t- uh, appalling uh, German brutality. One only needs to think of the fate of the village of Lidice in Czechoslovakia um, to have an idea uh, of what German occupation was like. The liberation uh, that the Poles, Hungarians and Czechs uh, enjoyed was one that was uh, mixed with um, appalling uh, devastation and destruction. Now this was um, not uh, confined to the Eastern Front. The uh, liberation of France uh, from D-Day onwards resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of French citizens. For, um, the, the bombing of the city of Cannes, for example, or simply the uh, mass naval bombardments that were required to establish a beachhead uh, in, in Normandy. Civilians are all killed uh, in this process, uh, and as the uh, Allies marched across the French countryside, there was a, a, a mounting resentment towards the British and the French, uh, British and the Americans, I beg your pardon, and a suspicion on the behalf of um, uh, American and British soldiers that the French, um, uh, the, the French uh, countryside uh, was in some way uh, in cahoots with the Nazis. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Obviously, this was not the case. In some of the contemporary accounts of the time, the Red Army um, that was often made up of Siberian and uh, Kazakh soldiers, soldiers from uh, the, the uh, Russian uh, Far East, um, they were 
Korean soldiers in the Red Army. Um, the there is a sort of an undercurrent of of racism um, uh, towards the the presence of these uh, Asian people in the heart of um, Central and and Eastern Europe. Um, the they're often referred to as looking darker, um, looking uh, less clearly European. And there are frequent references to uh, the Mongol hordes of Genghis Khan. Um, and, you know, articulated here are the, these deep-seated uh, anxieties uh, that had existed since the Middle Ages uh, uh, about the, you know, the great threat from the East. Um, um, and they um, manifest themselves in, in this sort of rhetoric. And what the Soviets find, what ordinary Red Army soldiers find, even in war-devastated and occupied Eastern Europe, are standards of living that are far, far higher than anything they themselves had ever experienced. They are stunned when they look at um, the people who had been occupied by the Nazis, um, and these oppressed people they were liberating, were, uh, on balance, enjoying better standards of living than they had ever known. There are um, interesting uh, com- interesting parallels with the, the march of uh, Russian soldiers into Paris in 1814. The poet Glinka uh, wrote of how extraordinary it was to imagine that they had defeated such an advanced and sophisticated and civilised and technologically um, uh, technologically advanced country. Um, the uh, Soviet Red Army soldiers had been told that they were marching from an advanced industrial country that had been liberated um, on, uh, by socialism into the horrors of capitalism, into... Um, a place where they would see uh, abject poverty and uh, unemployment uh, and suffering. However, um, when they uh, discovered parts of uh, the very poorest uh, corners of, of Eastern Europe, when they discovered other peasants, they discovered other peasants who had not suffered collectivization, who had not suffered Stalin's agricultural policies, who owned small bits of land, who owned a, 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 a few uh, livestock, chickens or maybe maybe goats or sheep. Um, and they found people who had um, a, a small amount of, of material wealth, say, for example, uh, a fine suit or a wristwatch or uh, an, an old iron bed. Um, these were things that in the Soviet Union had become increasingly rare. The people that would have had them had been the wealthier peasants, the kulaks, who had been expropriated by the state and by their poorer neighbours. Many Soviet soldiers were baffled as to why on earth the Germans uh, and Austrians would have invaded the Soviet Union in the first place. Um, what is it possibly, uh, many questioned, that the uh, occupying forces of the Wehrmacht felt that they could have extracted from the Soviet Union, given that they already had such high living standards in the first place. Anne Applebaum writes that one um, 
political officer seemed to have the answer. Um, he wrote back to Moscow explaining that this is a kulak agriculture based on the exploitation of labour. That is why everything looks so nice and rich. And when our Red Army soldier, particularly one who is immature in the political sense, with a petty bourgeois private ownership view, compares involuntarily a collective farm with a German farm, he praises the German farm. We even have some officers who admire German things. Um, it's obvious from everything we see that Hitler robbed the whole of Europe to please his blood-stained fritzes, another soldier wrote. Um, their sheep are the best Russian merinos and their shops are piled with goods from shops and factories of, uh, of the shops and factories of Europe. In the near future, these goods will appear in Russian shops as our trophies. Now, in that is a huge um, amount of, of really, really interesting stuff. The fact, the fact that um, the first soldier um, equated the um, living conditions of Nazi Germany with um, an illusion, an illusion created by um, the kind of, a kind of a kulak system, a system of wealthy peasants exploiting poorer peasants is, is what he means. Really um, says almost nothing about Nazi Germany, of which there was um, you know, no such kind of direct comparison. But it says everything about how that Soviet officer had seen the class struggles ongoing in the Soviet Union itself. Uh, and had seen the the in his political view the importance and the relevance of the destruction of the of the kulaks, and he said, everything looks nice and rich, but it's really a kind of a facade. Um, the second point there is that, um, and there is a, a, a kernel of truth to this one, that Germany had plundered and looted the rest of Europe. And that the shops were piled high with uh, goods from other European countries. To some extent, there's an element of truth in that. At least the German economy had benefited immensely from looting the rest of Europe. But the final point I think is really interesting um, is that in the near future, these goods will appear in Russian shops as our trophies. And this finally is the real mentality of Red Army soldiers as they march into Germany, that they were there really to take tribute, to, to take um, trophies, and that the German economy would be looted um, and, the, and plundered and the goods returned to the Soviet Union. Um, so every, every luxury you can uh, imagine, from uh, alcohol to furniture... Uh, the Red Army soldiers seem to be obsessed with watches, watches with this portable signifier of wealth and uh, success. Um, linen, uh, bicycles, crockery. Um, there was um, a huge, uh, a huge kind of flow of uh, consumer and material goods back to the Soviet Union. This was often, this was done largely kind of individually by Soviet soldiers. But there was a more systemic state looting of Germany by uh, the Soviet Union, which is agreed um, at the Potsdam Conference.
So the story goes that the uh, iconic photograph of the Russian soldier raising the Soviet flag over the Reichstag had to be airbrushed because on the arms of the young hero were dozens of stolen wristwatches. There's an interesting observation from uh, Vasily Grossman, the uh, war, the famous um, Red Army war correspondent who later um, got on the wrong side of Stalin. Um, he wrote that um, the Red Army seemed to change when it crossed the Soviet border, when it uh, ceased to be an army of liberation, liberating Soviet territory, and became an army of conquest um, beyond the, the borders of the Soviet Union. There was a kind of a some sort of um, psychical, uh, observable psychical change amongst Soviet soldiers. Um, he recalled that one night he slept in a German house along with several other Russian soldiers, including a majestic colonel with a good Russian face, who was so tired he seemed ready to collapse. All night we heard we heard noises coming from the room where the tired colonel is staying. He leaves in the morning without saying goodbye. We go to the room. Chaos. The colonel has emptied the cupboards like a real looter. The low living standards of so many uh, Soviet soldiers... Uh, marching into the um, the relative abundance um, of even of um, a war torn uh, European as uh, Central and Eastern European countries, combined with the traumas of uh, four years of uh, continual fighting and almost unimaginable losses on the Soviet side, um, and the fact that had the war gone the other way the uh, Red Army would have faced, uh, or the Soviet peoples would have faced a racial annihilation. Combined with the fact that Soviet soldiers had been uh, killed en masse, left to, to starve to death, and uh, many of whom in their final uh, days and hours had resorted to cannibalism to survive, it meant that the uh, Soviet soldiers who had arrived in Germany uh, were almost guaranteed to behave in violent antisocial ways, um, and the uh, wave of sexual violence um, that was in partly encouraged by the regime, and then finally, after a period of about twelve months, finally frowned upon and uh, threatened with a, a official sanction. Um, these are all the kind of the, the, the appalling, hideous and, and terrible consequences of uh, prolonged periods of mass human violence. Um, and it is, in, in many ways, the, uh, the result of uh, and the consequence and the responsibility of, of Hitler's decision, ill-fated decision to invade the Soviet Union um, and his uh, belief that the German people would never face the consequences of um, a defeat that he believed was inconceivable. So we'll continue with this uh, a little bit later in, in the week. We're going to work through some more things on the uh, Red Army in Germany. Um, and uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, have a good day. Enjoy. And if you can uh, pop by our Patreon page at any point, that would be very, very helpful. All the best. Thanks. Bye bye. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.